And greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, thank you for joining us live this Shabbat. We are in Yeshayahu, the fifth Hebrew gospel of Isaiah. And we're in chapter four this week. Greet one another in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Edify and encourage one another. And if you're watching this later, then please put some edifying comments in the comment section and that would truly help bring forth more brethren from the outskirts and the outer fields in the nations because we're about gathering in the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We've got Passover coming up here in a few months, so prepare for that. And you can go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect to connect with lots of brethren, whether it be through Shabbat Fellowship, 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, every Sabbath you can join brethren from all over the world on our Zoom platform and greet and meet one another and make those family connections. We're in Isaiah Yeshayahu chapter 4 today and it begins... And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own lechem bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach or gather in our shame. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1. I want to talk today in this section of the scripture about family, power, and privacy, which is the family of Israel, versus powerfully published public enemies, the cult of mystery Marxist Babylon. How am I getting there? Look at the first verse. Family power and privacy, the family of Israel, versus powerfully published public enemies, the cult of mystery Marxist Babylon. We need to be binding our women to the vine versus grapes of gall and clusters of bitterness. That's the dichotomy. We're either binding our women to the vine, our wives, mothers, and daughters, to create the family of Israel, or we're selling them as grapes of ghoul and clusters of bitterness into the cult of mystery Marxist Babylon. That's it. And how we do that is all going to be explained to us today through the wonderful eyes of Yeshayahu, Isaiah the prophet. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own lechem bread and wear our own apparel only. Please, please, can we just come with you? Can we just be called by your name? We won't take anything from you. We just need your name. We just need a covering. We just need to be assigned to you as property. Now you'll notice, 
If you look at your marriage certificate, if you entered into a marriage contract with a third party, the state of, it will say on those marriage certificates, you are not property of one another. And that is how they got you. Because Yahuwah teaches us something different. The wife is supposed to be the property of the husband. And the husband is supposed to be the property of the wife. And the seed are the property of the union. Because private property rights are where you have your rights. If you have a lump of silver under your bed, the government just can't come in and take a lump of silver from underneath your bed because it is classified as a specific classification of private property. And therefore it is designated under private property rights and it has a whole classification of armory of protection under the Constitution that is very difficult to pierce. If you give up voluntarily your property rights and you designate something that is supposed to be property and now you make it a contract with a third-party intervener, the state, you lose your status as an Israelite. Yahweh told us there's two ways to go. Two ways to go. Exodus, Shemot, chapter 1, verse 11. You can either become the treasure in the cities of Pharaoh, or you can become, Exodus, Shemot, chapter 19, verse 5, Yahuwah's treasure. Guess how many times property appears in the Bible? The word property. It doesn't exist. There is no such word as property in the Bible. You are designated as treasure. That is property. You are supposed to be Yahweh's special treasure. My wife is Yahweh's special treasure. She is my special treasure. She is thus designated and classified as treasure that has all of its rights endowed from its creator. It is impossible to pierce. It is protected and classified under the most powerful protection from heaven. And if you surrender that right, then you have been taken captive by mystery Babylon. And if you look at your marriage contracts with the state, it says you are not treasure. It says property of one another. And people think that's a good thing. I want to be the treasure of Yahuwah. And I want to be the treasure of my wife. And I want my children to be my treasure and my wife's treasure because then they have protected. No third party can come in and take possession. You understand the power of what 
Isaiah is going to teach us, what Yahweh teaches us. Or you can get the state involved, the government involved, through a contract, because you have the unlimited right to contract according to the Constitution, and they also have the unlimited right to contract with you. And then you can get a third party involved, and you can give up your rights as treasure And therefore, they can take your children, they can come in and intervene with your marriage and get all involved in that because you surrendered. Or you can just rescission it and you can now have a private covenant with your wife and spouse with witnesses by a priest. And nobody, nobody can interfere with that treasure. It's your right. Marriage, the marriage license didn't come into effect until the 20th century. Again, today, I'm harping, but it's so powerful because I see children and families being torn apart by Mystery Babylon. I just got to witness it yesterday. Just got to witness it yesterday. Sat in court yesterday and watched a whole play unfold before my eyes a whole play unfold before my eyes that's why I'm so serious today because I just got to witness it yesterday family power and privacy the family of Israel versus powerfully published public enemies the cult of mystery Babylon and it's Marxist the Hebrew word is miskna Miskna. It's spelt mem samik kaf nun he. Treasure. It appears throughout the scriptures. You're either designated as treasure in Pharaoh's treasure cities today, or you're designated as Yahweh's special treasure. It's always been that way. It's always been about plunder or privacy. Plunder Exodus chapter 1 verse 11 into Pharaoh's treasure cities or privacy into the whole house of Israel, Yahweh's special treasure. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 tells that, us that we are to possess this treasure, our families, in what? These earthen vessels that are our bodies. That is what our faith is supposed to be. Because we are supposed to be the whole house of Israel. This is going to be a powerful teaching for families. Because I am all about family. The whole house of Israel. And I'm about protecting families from encroachment from outside. But sometimes you're going to have to go back and fix what you've done. There's nothing wrong with saying, I repent of my sins. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And you know what's wonderful about making a mistake? The highest court of the land allows you to rescission the contracts that you made a mistake in. And then they don't exist. And then you create new contracts because you have the unlimited right to contract with one another. And you make private marriage covenants properly, properly done. And you are now each other's treasure. 
And Yahweh will now be in that marriage in a way that enables you to move through this world in a way that you've never moved before commercially. Because everything's commercial. Mystery Babylon is commercial. And we are in the world and supposed to be not of the world. Does that make sense? All right. The chapter break here in this first verse is out of place, firstly. If you, if you notice from, verse, from chapter 3 last, the week before last to where we're at, the chapter break here is out of place because the following verse is a continuation of the previous speech that we had in the third chapter. Now, these errors in chapter divisions became rampant during the Middle Ages. Can anyone imagine why? Of course, it's the English fault. It's always the British Okay, because the Jews were forbidden to own printing presses. They were forbidden to own printing presses, and the printing industry was in the hands of the funky monks. Okay, so they, of course, butchered all of the chapter divisions because the Jews, who were you know the Masoretes or the Masoretic texts, those that brought forth that that in about 1,900 to 1,000 of the Common Era, they were prohibited from printing. Now, of course, they're in charge of the printing industry, which is why there is so much pornography and filth around. Okay, the Hebrew word for reproach, better gather in our shame at the end of verse one is. Asaf et chereth. Asaf et chereth. Only let us be called by your name and gather in our shame. Think about that. Gather in our shame. The Hebrew word is asaf et chereth. As in Bereshit, Genesis chapter 30, verse 23. And Yahweh remembered Rachel, and Yahweh hearkened to her, and opened up her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, Elohim hath gathered in my shame. What is this teaching all about? The household of Israel, family, treasure, possession, protection and privacy that's what our faith is supposed to be about you're supposed to go to your priest you're supposed to be able to go and have the privacies and the protections where government has no way to encroach into your family life no way to tell you where to educate your children what to do how you can travel when you can travel what mode you can no none of that but you haven't structured yourselves properly because you put it all in the public and you've become contracted with a third party because that is how you were trained in the 20th century. But it's pretty recent that we've been doing this, only since March 9th, 1933. And it's got incessantly worse and worse and worse because the statutory law merchants has come onto the land. Just like, you know, you can have this harmless tadpole turns into 
a fire-breathing frog. I mean, ugly. This is this quite little innocent little tadpole. But then it comes out of the maritime world and onto the land. Well, that's what's happened, brethren. That's why we're in this mess. These women, right here, the seven of them, they are unprotected. They are extremely vulnerable. And our women, our children, when we contract with a third party outside of the privacy of Israel, you are placing your wives and children in an unprotected and vulnerable position. If you register your children or your wives for anything, you are placing them in a vulnerable and unprotected position. You register your children for school, you have just placed them in a vulnerable and unprotected position, and you are not doing your job as the priest of your home. I just said it. You've abdicated your responsibility. This generation, I'm not talking about the, the, the fathers 20 years ago or 30 years ago or a generation. I'm talking this generation. Things are changing. And the generation right now that I'm speaking to, we have got to step it up. Because there will be no excuses. Because you did it yourselves. You did. It's no one to blame. There was no fraud out there. People say, well, it was fraud. No, there was no fraud. You did it. I did it. We made a mistake. And when we make a mistake, we have a remedy. And the remedy is the household of faith. These women were unprotected. They were in extremely vulnerable positions as widows. And it made these women feel ashamed. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1. Please marry us. We'll make no demands of you. We, we won't ask you for any financial support. Just allow us, please. Can we just use your name? Marius, even if it's only in name only. That's in essence what they were saying. Why? Because the Babylonian soldiers of the invading army would have their wicked way with the unmarried women. Only the unmarried women. But the Babylonian king, he had prohibited his soldiers from molesting any married women. Mystery Babylon is prohibited from molesting you when you have private contracts with your wife, your children, and those around you. They are prohibited. But if you go into business with Mystery Babylon, you are giving them the right to molest your women. You're allowing, you're giving them the right to molest your women and they will do it because they are commercial in nature and they will find a way to come in and molest your women. You're not going to get this kind of teaching in the church, okay? Because this is not politically correct because this is sobering and serious. Because this is going to change your life. And it's going to change the life of your generations. 
And sometimes you've got to hear a hard message so you can make the hard decisions that you know you need to make for your wives and for your children. You've got to stand. And if you can't stand, then you'll fall. And that means you've got to be uncomfortable. We are living in some strange times. And this teaching is going to give you the remedy to be able to make sure that your women are unmolested. Your wives, your mothers, your grandmothers, your children, your grandchildren, to the third and fourth generation. Mystery Babylon is prohibited by their laws from molesting your women when you structure your family the way Yahuwah says. Your family is to be classified as treasure. And there is only Yahuwah, yourself, and your wife involved, or your mother involved, or your daughter involved, or your daughter-in-law involved. And then you speak to your son and you tell your son, you make sure that you structure yourself just this way. And then they are prohibited. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. We just haven't been taught. And you won't be taught this in the church. The Babylonian soldiers of the invading army, they would have had their way with any unmarried women. But the Babylonian king prohibited his soldiers from molesting any married women. This is the end of the vision with which the book began. This point is where the real third chapter would end. Now, we can already, already see how Isaiah, he vacillates, just like I kind of am, <laughs> between being the prophet of doom and the prophet of consolation. Some of people are like, oh, Matthew, too much doom. Give us something happy. Well, hang on a minute. We're in the doom oracles right here. So if I was to give you something happy, then I wouldn't actually be true to the text. Now, in the latter verses and the latter chapters, maybe I can give you some consolation. I'll give you a little of consolation today. And that is that you are Yahuwah's special treasure. Get right with Yahuwah. Get right with your family. There's your consolation. But the doom oracle is, go and, look in, go and look at your marriage certificate. Go and look at what you've registered. Go and look at all the titles you have. And go and look at the name at the top of it. It's not your name. It's the state of, which is a corporate fiction, or the United States, which is a corporate fiction. And you've contracted with it. Therefore, you've given the soldiers of Babylon the rights to your women. Don't like that? Well, that's the truth. It's a hard pill to swallow. And maybe you've got away with it for so long. But I'm telling you from experience, from first-hand experience and what I witnessed yesterday, when they come a-knocking, you'll have no remedy. Isn't it better to fix it now when you don't need it? Because you can't imagine how many people come to me after the fact. Well, 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 it's already started. How about you do it all 
And then if it does start, there's no way for them to breach. Because there's nothing there. Nothing. Doesn't exist on the public. Right? <laughs> Think about it. Huh? So Isaiah, he does intersperse, you know, doom and consolation, doom and consolation. He intersperses visions of calamity with prophecies of consolation. It's natural. That's why I do it. It's natural. That's how the text flows, if you get the flow of it, right? Where he, in, he does envision the final redemption. Beginning in chapter 40, there's going to be a lot of consolation. So just hang with me. We've only got 36 more chapters to go. The end of the book speaks mostly of consolation. It truly does. I want to talk about power. Power. You see, the crazy thing with this Marxist theology of women's lib is that I'm getting out from under the structure, out of the husband. My husband is... He's got no power over me. I'm my own person. I'm not property. That, that's quite insulting to a, 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 a powerful woman's liver, right? I'm not property of my husband. And, and, and the mystery Babylon has tricked and conned women into thinking that that is good. When in reality... They've just exposed themselves and they now have no rights. Because all of your rights were as property. Because property has always been classified as the most protected right. And if you remove yourself from that classification and designate yourself as what the state wants you to designate yourself, you actually think you have women's lib when you've actually become a slave. But we are equal because I want to be my wife's property. I want to be her property. I want my wife to be able to be able to say that is my private property. And that's my classification. I'm her property. Right? And she is my property. That's a classification. And that's what you put in your contracts. That's what you designate in your contracts. Treasure. You have your right, religious freedom, to be able to do that in your contracts. And when you do that with your children, you have got an unprecedented protection. And that veil cannot be pierced. But first, you've got to say, I made a mistake. I've been whoring around with mystery Babylon. I've been double dipping. I haven't been faithful to Yahuwah. Oh, I thought I was. Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was a good Christian. But no, we're in the Torah here. And this is where we wake up. This is where we wake up to the real truth of Scripture, that it's not some spiritual hyperbole. And, you know, no, this is where the rubber hits the road. It's called the Torah where you actually see the Bible come alive in your life. Because you actually have to make changes. You can't just go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and live with the world. 
you realize that you're actually an Israelite. And that has responsibilities. That means your contracts are with Yahuwah because they're actually covenants. Amen. And you know that you're treasure. Your treasure. All of you are treasure. You are special, but you have to possess the treasure in earthen vessels. And to do that, You've got to rescission your contracts with Mystery Babylon and you've got to make new covenants with one another because you have the unlimited right to contract with one another and that's the power. And Mystery Babylon has the unlimited right to contract with you and there's your slavery. It's real simple when you start to understand that. Nobody is committing fraud on anybody. Nobody is making you do anything. You did it to yourselves. I did it to myself. And I repent of my sins. What a fool. But now I see. And my life has changed. And it was mine enemies that gave me the opportunity to change. Isn't that how thankful I am of mine enemies? See, Yahweh was good. He is good to those that love him. And now I can change, help you change your lives. And it's the old story, you know. I'm always seems to be that one that beats the trail and gets all the thorns and thickets and the bruises on me. But then the next person behind me, they get to, it's an easier trail. And then the next one behind them, easier trail. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing. That's a, that's a bless. I get to witness that over 20 years in, in ministry. We've seen that, haven't we? The trials that we had to go through, through the messianic movement, that so many of you are like, oh, thank goodness I never had to, you know, dress up like a Jew and pretend that I was, you know, an Ashkenazi or whatever, right? And dance in crazy prayer circles and, you know, Thank goodness I didn't have to do that. We just went straight from the church into the Malkitetic priesthood and we bypassed all the Levitical hierarchy. Don't even really know what that is. Well, thank goodness for that. I'm rambling. See, that's what happens. You give me a week off, I get rusty, I get mad, rambling, I miss you all. Power. We're talking about power. True power is being a treasure, being designated as property. Property, the word property doesn't exist in the King James Version or the Masoretic text of the Bible. Right? It doesn't exist. It might in some of your newfangled idiot translations, but hopefully none of you use it. It doesn't exist in the Bible. Treasure is how we are classified. Treasure, of course, the modern word for that would be property. The men of Israel understood power. The men of Israel understood that to maintain their independence, they must always be needed and wanted. If I am to be truly independent, then I must be needed. I must be wanted. That's how I get my independence. The more you are relied upon, the more freedom you have. Think about it. See, this is totally the opposite of what the world teaches. The more you are relied upon, the more freedom you have. To be truly independent, you must be needed and you must be wanted 
and you must be relied upon. The emasculation of our young men makes them impotent. It's so important for young men to be needed, to be wanted. They must focus on five things to accomplish that. Young men, sons. Number one, plant. Number two, grow. Number three, protect. Number four, teach. And number five, provide. I call it the pro-grow pro-tip. The pro-grow pro-tip. Plant, grow, protect, teach, provide. This is a power structure. I've just given you a power structure. The pre-grow pro-tip. Pre-grow pro-tip. That's your pre-grow pro-tip, young men. Learn it. I'm about to teach it. It's your pre-grow pro-tip. Plant, grow, protect, teach, provide. It is an intensive power structure. Mystery Babylon cons people with what's called an extensive power structure. Oh, you don't, oh no, you don't want to be designated as property. Neither of you are each other's property, it says on the state marriage certificates. And, and the women are like, oh yeah, that's right, I'll sign there. I'm not going to be his property. And now they've got extensive power, so they think. But really, they've just been taken captive because they lost the most protected status that you can have in law which has always been that way, which is property. You just can't go and steal people's stuff, okay? When it's designated as stuff, you just can't nick it. There are laws in place, even for the man. But when you don't designate yourself as that treasure, then guess what? It's a bloody free-for-all. And now you think you've got all this women's lib and all this power. That's called extensive power. It's a con job. Because real power of the Bible is intensive. This is powerful stuff. Remember treasure, mishkna, mishkna. Remember property, that word doesn't exist in the Bible. Remember, you've only got two choices. You become treasure in Pharaoh's cities, Exodus, Shemot, chapter 1, verse 11, which is public, which is government, which is state, which is all of your adhesion contracts, or you rescission them and you come into the realm of Yahuwah's treasure and you start to possess it in your earthen vessels to the first, second, third, and fourth generation. What is that called? Beneficiaries. Beneficiaries. It lasts when you're not here because you pass it down in power structures that are private, that nobody can see. 
beneficiaries. Mystery Babylon hates beneficiaries. That's why she'll take you to probate. That's why lawyers will con you into building a will and stupid things like that. Because they will try and plunder you before you die or once you're dead. It's called probate. Because the last thing they want is beneficiaries and another generation coming up in an intensive power structure. That's treasure. That is mishkna. Mishkna. Intensive power, dominion from men. They want to take that and they want to replace it with an extensive power structure, which is the blending of the gender roles and, you know, women's lip. And it's a disservice to the people of faith. We must cast off extensive power structures and form intensive power structures. But you're asking, well, I don't know what an extensive and an intensive power structure is. Well, bear with me. I'm about to explain it to you. Look, really, if you get back to our nature, just be honest, women. Women want a man who provides. They want a man who teaches. They want a man who protects. And they want a man who leads. Can we just be honest? I mean, it's not sexist. I mean, come on, women. Don't you want a man who provides, who teaches, who protects, and who leads? If you were to encapsulate that in one word, what is that word? Honor. You want an honorable man. And an honorable man provides, teaches, protects, and leads. This verse shows us that at the end of the age, too many men will have bowed to the culture. They would have become emasculated, feminized, soy, and soft, leaving a seven-to-one ratio for the patriarchal real man of intensive power to build up a nation of Israel. It's a seven to one ratio because most of the men have become soy boys. They're soft, they're emasculated, they're moist. Oh, that, that, might, that might insult some of you or too bad. It's kind of, you know, sometimes I hear, I'm like, man, that sounds real moist. Man. My son, right, he, he was going through the drive through the other day, the coffee drive through And the dude there said, he said, he said to my son, he said, how you doing, my dude? And I'm so proud of my son. He's like, what? What did you say? He said, how you doing, my dude? He's like, I'm not your dude. I'm my girlfriend's dude. That sounds kind of gay. And this guy's like, oh, man, man, I didn't mean it that way. She's like, yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Man, I'm not going to say that anymore. And my, my son's like, yeah, you might not want to say that. I mean, that's kind of prison talk, you know what I mean? You, you say that kind of stuff in prison, and you're either going to get shanked or, uh, yeah. 
And these people out here, they don't understand what they're saying. Hey, what's up, my dude? Excuse me? I'm not your dude. I'm my wife's dude. Right? That sounds kind of moist. This is an emasculated culture. And once this guy it was brought to his attention, he won't be saying that in the coffee drive-thru. It was most probably part of the Dutch bro's um, training manual. Okay, if you're going to do espresso, you've got to call all the men your dude. I, I, I would not be surprised, you know. Whenever you go to a Dutch bro's, it's like there's a party going on, isn't it? You know, I'm on my way to work, you know, I've got a, like a work. Hey, man, where's the... I'm like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> It's like they've got disco balls going on. It's like these people are just on speed or something. Or, or actually monsters, right? 666 monsters. Right? It's terrible stuff. Anyway, get back in, in here. Sorry. Emasculated men leaving a 7 to 1 ratio for the patriarchal man to build up the nation of Israel. I'm talking family. I'm talking homeschooling. I'm talking generational planning. I'm talking, talking status correction. Rescissioning contracts and adhesion contracts and going into covenant with one another. Power. Extensive power is for pussy cats. Intensive power is for Israelite families. Okay? My wife was getting real nervous there. <laughs> the con job that has been sold to unsuspecting feminists by the Marxists is that independence is power. That's simply not true. Power involves a relationship between people. You always need others as allies. You always need to build power. And you cannot do it independently because that is extensive power. Oh, well, I need my independence. That's Mystery Babylon conning you with extensive power. True power is intensive and it is dependent upon a power system of dependency. That's true power. You need to be needed. You need to be wanted. You need to be codependent on Oh, codependency. I want to be dependent upon my wife. And I want my wife to be dependent upon me. I want to be codependent. That's what I signed up for. I don't want to be independent. Me, by myself, with my crazy ideas and thought. Are you? I mean, I drive myself bananas. The completely independent person can come and go, though, as he pleases. And you think that's good. But he has limited power. Power doesn't flow then, does it? Power doesn't build. Why? Come on, you're the brains of the operation here. Because it's a closed system. It's a closed, closed system. For power to truly build, it must flow and it must be in an open system. In a closed power system, you limit your power. 
That is extensive power. Intensive power is an open system that builds and builds and builds generationally through legacy and beneficiaries. And this is what Mystery Babylon doesn't want you to do. It doesn't want you to take hold of your commercial energy and give it to your family. It wants to steal your commercial energy because it's a bankrupt system. And it must steal your commercial energy, which are and is your treasure. In the marriage and family, you need an intensive form of power which provides more freedom than the extensive. Because those who only have extensive depend upon who? No one in particular or no particular position for their security. The patriarchs of our faith, they knew this. So the patriarchs of our faith, they built intensive power structures. Family. In marriage and family, you seal your fate with theirs, don't you? Right? We're sealing our fate with one another. And as Israelites, we're supposed to do the same thing. We seal our fate and faith with one another. We're all going to the feasts together. We're all doing this together. We're all going to be on the same diet. We're all going to worship the same way. We are sealing our fates together, and that is building what power? That's called a what? Intensive power structure that is not a closed system. Because, hey, man, there's another sheep over there. Bring them in. It's not a closed system. Oh, well, well, hang on a minute. Um, 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 oh, they're Asian. Oh, oh, well, bring them on in. Oh, 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 no, no, he's Anglo-Saxon. Oh, bring him in. Oh, he's black. Oh, okay, yeah, bring him in. It's, it's inclusive power system to build structure because we are Israel. As long as they sign on to the same Elohim and the same commandments, it matters not what creed, color, or where they came from because we are all one, the sojourner and the homeborn. That is a power system. Now, if they've been emasculated out there and they're a little bit moist, we may have to get them with the elders first and, you know, we might have to take them out. You know, give them a few rounds in the boxing ring or something with some of the younger youth, you know, who want to kind of test out their intensive power structures. You know, used to be me, but now I've passed it on to... Last time I did that with my son, I couldn't sleep on my side for a month. You know, I nearly broke my rib. Okay, so I, I, I don't need to do it anymore. He can do it. But it used to be me. But now, you know, I've turned 50. I pass it on to the next generation. He'll sniff you out. If you're moist, he'll figure it out. He's got a radar on him. He's got a radar. He just... It's crazy. It's a bit too much, but, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Anyway, back to what I'm talking about. I'm never going to get through this chapter, am I? Sorry, guys. This is serious stuff, though. There we go. In marriage and family, you seal your fate with one another. You become untouchable when you move from the extensive to the intensive power structure. We've been trained up in an extensive power system. It's all about me. It's about my independence uh, and, and contracting with 
government. But that's not true power because that's a closed system. You need an intensive power structure which is dependent upon your family and your household of faith for true understanding the power dynamic. Yes, there's status correction within the family power dynamic. Intensive is unpublished. It's private. It's powerful. Extensive, it's published, public, and vulnerable. And what do they try to do with your extensive power system? They want everything on the public record. Your marriage, what you own, this, everything. Where your two children are enrolled, it's all public, right? It's extensive, is always published, public, and thus vulnerable. Intensive is unpublished, private, and powerful. Intensive, it's biblical power. And intensive power brings peace. Extensive power brings uncertainty because you're by yourself. And therefore, government can come in and save you because you realize you're vulnerable. And that's why they've set up an extensive power system because then they come in as the saviors. Do you not see it? But if you're in an intensive power structure, you don't need the man. Because if you're vulnerable, you've got a system that is building power at all times. My son, I don't need a worry. I can walk through an alley at night. I don't have to worry. I used to have to depend upon just myself. I take both of my boys with me. I'm not concerned. Try it. I mean, I really am not. How do I know? Because I've seen what they've done, and they've done it to me. So I'm like, okay, guys, I guess I don't need to train you anymore. At this point, you know, the student has surpassed the teacher. Ow, I can't lie down for a month, and I couldn't. Okay? So that's, a, that, that's an intensive power structure. Why does Yahweh speak of our family Israel as our land Israel as vines and vineyards? Vines and vineyards, vines and vineyards. What is that? What is that power structure there? Don't you see it? It's an intensive power structure. You think that, that Israel, one Israelite, could come in and glean the vineyard? And how many people does it take to plant a vineyard, to craft the vines, to bring in the harvest. And then they would bring in the minstrels and they would sing and there would be songs. And this is where the psalms were created. The psalms were created at the harvest time of the vineyards. What you think, what, you'd be standing there plonking, stomping grapes? How boring. No, they would bring the minstrels in. They would sing. They'd have the wine flowing. The sun would be shining. It would be a big celebratory time. That's an intensive power structure. 
Do you not see it? That's why Yahweh always talks to us about being the vineyard and the vine. An intensive family power structure always connects with one another. Intensive family power structures boost power. They boost profits and they boost procreation, which is beneficiaries. This is the whole house of Israel. We are to bind our women to the vine and our children unto the choice vine. Genesis chapter 49. And if you're not doing that, then you're not a true Israelite. You're not being the priest of your home. You've been emasculated by the culture. Men, stand up and be an Israelite. Bind our woman to the vine, our children unto the choice vine. Genesis 49. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine. When you're in an intensive power structure, every man can dwell safely. Every woman, every child, every family member can dwell safely under his vine. First Kings chapter 4 verse 25. If you get what I'm saying, you're going to see such a tremendous blessing in your lives. But you've got to make the change. You've got to examine some of the documents you got at home and what you've done to yourselves. As opposed to the modern Western family which has been reared by default, we didn't know. I mean, I didn't think I was signing up for secular Marxism, but I was. Because that's what the culture teaches you in the public re-education camps. Secular Marxism, where is their vine from? Their vine is the vine of Sodom. Is it not the vine of Sodom and Sodomites? Are they not teaching that to the children in these public re-education camps? Their vine is the vine of Sodom. And the fields, they are the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, and their clusters are bitter. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 32. Do you see what I'm saying? Just look at their fruit. Look at the fruit of the culture. It is clusters of gall, and it is bitter. Israel is to be a vine, but we are to be a vine with many thorns. We are to be a vine, yes, but we're to be a vine with many thorns. We grow our roots deep into the faith once delivered to the saints. And then we spread those roots deep and wide, meaning we take over the territory. We push through bushes. We push through obstacles that impede our family growth. We are to entwine ourselves around trees. We are to entwine ourselves around poles. And we are to burst through concrete, asphalt, and put ourselves on the ledges of society. That's what we do as a vine with thorns. It can go anywhere. It is not going to be impeded. 
anywhere. The right to travel unmolested. You can't do that until you examine your adhesion contracts. You can't do that until you examine what you've registered. You can't do that when you're double dipping. And I'm not speaking to a generation yesterday. Because this wasn't pertinent to that generation. I'm talking to you today for what is coming tomorrow. I mean, do you see what they're planning? They're all in Davos, Switzerland right now, planning it with the World Economic Forum. You know what they're going to do, right? They already told you. They're going to make, through global warming, uninhabitable zones all across the world. And they're going to do it under the cover of, well, these are unsafe zones to live in. Because of global warming, it just so happens that these unsafe designated zones are of the poorest people in the world, which have the richest mineral content. So we're going to get rid of all the people because we'll designate them as uninhabitable zones and then we'll come in there and we will strip mine the place so that we can build all of these crazy batteries for our new agenda of globalism. What is the mineral that they need? Huh? Sorry, say that again. Lithium and cobalt. You'll notice on the World Economic Forum map of all of these future uninhabitable zones, they're all in lithium and cobalt-rich territories. But the people there are living there. Oh, we've got to get them out. I mean, you really think they care about you? Yahweh can take care of this earth. He doesn't need any help from us. He can just shake the tablecloth and he can set this whole place on fire and he can refine it and burn it and he can do whatever. He can take care of this earth. He certainly doesn't need us. It is a big scam so that they can take the minerals from the earth right under your noses. That's what global warming is. So they can steal the minerals from this earth from right underneath your noses. They just told you, because they have to notify you before they do it. That's, 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 just, that's just their rules. They just did. It's crazy stuff. That is the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah, the grapes of gall and the clusters of bitterness. To rid the world of Israel would cost too much. Why? Because we can embed ourselves so deeply, so privately, and so protected that they can't find us. Because we're no longer on the public record. Okay? You're embedded. You are embedded in ways that they have no concept of.
This is how the families have always been up until the 20th century when they conned you to getting everything out of that embedded structure and showing it everywhere, everywhere on the public record. Okay? But to rid the world of Israel would just cost too much toil and blood. And the new world order, they know this. So they evade us and they let us climb. They let us climb. Once they know that you've done it, they will let you climb. Because they know you are so privately embedded, they have to let you climb. As long as you're not a danger. Because that's called the compelling public interest. If there's a compelling public interest, maybe you're a danger, then that's different. That's why we're to walk in honor and peace. It's called the compelling public interest doctrine. Verse 2. Oh, I've only got to verse 2. It's going to be a long day. In that day, the branch of Yahuwah be beautiful and full of Tithereth glory. And the fruit of the land shall be excellent and comely for those that are escaped of Israel. Now, in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8, I'm going to speed it up now. Now listen, it says, Zechariah 3, 8. Now listen, Yehoshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are men of symbol. For look, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch or the sprout. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 15, Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12, they all talk about the branch, the sprout. The branch, the Hebrew word sprout or, or branch is samach, and it means a messianic, it's a messianic term denoting, of course, Yahuwah's servant. We know his servant is Yahusha. Yahusha and to the earth's fruit or the word there is peri, signifying the first fruits of Yahuwah's people. So Yahuwah causes his son, Yahusha, to grow. Think about this. Yahuwah, are we switching cameras today, Moshe? Yeah. So Yahuwah, think about a sprout. Yahuwah, which is his son, Yahusha, the, the what? The semech, right? The branch, the sprout. I like sprout better. Because I'm going to explain why. Because Yahweh has caused his son to grow like a sprout slowly through history. He's been growing slowly through history until he finally appears at his second coming. Like a slow sprout growing through history until he finally breaks forth and appears at his second coming. Just like a sprout, the growth of Yahusha is supposed to be slightly obscure. Right? You don't see it. You don't see it until it bursts forth. It's all part of the process. So what we're understanding of Yahusha now is because of that sprout and growth process. We realize he's not, you know, Jesus, you know, the Sunday Jesus, you know, Barry Gibb, you know, all white with the beard and, you know, with a halo. No, he most probably didn't look like that. 
most probably was not, you know, bowing down and doing any Roman pontiff business, okay? He was most probably doing the Torah of Moshe that spoke of him, okay? So the, you start to see this sprout that now is growing through history. The Hebrew word here for this is this growth, this growth is, is just amazing. So we have this crazy kind of, this fallacious view of Messiah is to continually go back to his birth, especially the hollow pagan practices of today, right? Everybody wants to go back to the birth of, of Jesus on December 25th, allegedly, right? So this is what they do. But rather, we're not supposed to be, why would we want to keep going backwards? Shouldn't we rather be looking forward to the coming of Mashiach? Isn't that more important? certainly is for me. I need to be looking forward to the coming of Mashiach, to the sprouting of Mashiach, to the growth of Mashiach. Not only in ourselves should we be looking forward to the growth, to the coming of Mashiach, to our coming if, of full maturity of our harvest. We're not supposed to look back to our youth. That's past. Oh, well, remember when I was born? Who gives a rip? I want to be looking forward to the coming of Mashiach and the, and the abundance of the harvest that I have to produce to lay at his feet. It's all forward. We are to what? Inhabit the growth of Mashiach. That's an intensive power structure. Does that make sense? We're to be like a tender sprout, always growing, always trying to break through. That's what this teaching is. This teaching is a breakthrough. I mean, I know I'm going long, but if you are able to get what I'm saying, this should be a breakthrough. So I'm laying a strong foundation with some soberness and seriousness and a bit of screaming here and there. Because this is a breakthrough, brethren. This is a breakthrough. This is the growth, the sprout of Mashiach. Peri, Exodus chapter 23. In the book of the covenant, Torah laws about the Sabbath and festivals. Festivals, verse 2, Exodus chapter 23. Excellent and comely as beauty and glory. I love that. Excellent and comely as beauty and glory. Not only is this a reference to the land, but to your children and to your grandchildren. They're to be comely as beauty and glory because that's an intensive power structure. The offspring or shoots of the righteous left alive until the time of blossom and budding of Mashiach. Don't you want beneficiaries that are left alive, that are kings and priests on the land at the budding and blossoming of Mashiach? That's an intensive power structure. Well, if you want to build that power... You can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to get yourself a wife. And wives, you're going to have to get yourself a husband. And you're going to have to propagate and bring forth seed. And you're going to have to get everything off the public record. And you're going to have to structure yourselves properly so that you can pass everything down to your beneficiaries because you are the household of faith. That's what the Bible teaches. 
Verse 3. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, that he that remains in Jerusalem, shall be called Kadosh, holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Yerushalayim. Then, verse 4, then when Yahweh shall have washed away the filth of those girls and wives that have sold themselves into an external power system. All of that nonsense that they believed, he'll have washed that away and they go, oh my goodness, what? I was deceived. Of course I want to be your treasure. I want to be designated as property. Of course I do. And I want you to be my treasure. I want you to be designated as property. And of course I want our children to be between you and me and Yahweh with no outside third party involved. And I want them designated as treasure. Oh, wash away the filth of this external power structure that is a lie. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? When then Yahweh shall have washed away the filth. That's a filthy system. Benefits and privileges are a filthy system. Filthy. Slavery. You do realize that they didn't outlaw slavery, right? You do realize that. Right? You, you do realize that. You can still volunteer for it, and it, they're not allowed to call it slavery. They have to call it another term. Person. Taxpayer individual just don't call it slavery and we got to get them to volunteer for it involuntary slavery well yeah 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 we can't do that but we can get we can we can get them but they got to volunteer for it but you just don't call it that anymore employee Oh, you better sign this. He just volunteered for it. It's some crazy stuff. Wow. Verse 5, And Yahweh will create upon every dwelling place of hard Zion and upon her gatherings a cloud and a smoke by day and the shining of a flaming of fire by night. For upon all the Tithereth the glory shall be an eternal glory and kavod covering and there shall be a sukkah for a shadow in the daytime from heat what is that that's an intensive power structure it's a shadow it's a protection from all the heat of mystery babylon she is going to burn in half an hour in half an hour she's going to burn there's going to be a ton of heat but you as an internal power structure with your family dynamic, you'll be under the sukkah. <laughs> Anything that happened, bring it. What, 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 what are you going to get? What? What? Where is it? What? What are you talking about? What? 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 You're outside of the faith. You have no concept because you're in mystery Babylon. 
I'm sitting here under the sukkah of Yahuwah with my intensive power structure. You can take me. And the intensive power structure still builds because I am not independent. I am dependent and I love being dependent upon Yahuwah and my wife and my children and my family of faith, you guys. We're to make those golden connections with one another because that brings more charge, more energy to the intensive power structure and we all grow, we all benefit together. Bring in the 12 tribes scattered abroad and we shall all sit under the sukkah together at Passover, at Shavuot, at Sukkot for a shadow in the daytime from the heat that is a coming and for a place of refuge, for a cover from the storm and from the rain. It's really, I like to call it the cloud dichotomy. It's the cloud dichotomy. It's about compelled performance. There's two clouds, really. There's two clouds. There's two contracts. Two diametrically different benefits. There's compelled cloud performance. A contract to receive the benefits and privileges. Again, which one do you want to go with? Number one, you are being compelled to put all your data in the public commercial cloud. Soon all property will be held in the cloud. Social, financial, travel, medical, health apps, credit score, tax apps. You have to agree to the terms and services. You know, nobody reads it. You just press the button and you check it, right? You agree to the terms and services and then great. You get all the benefits and privileges that will be offered to you for more and more of your life to be put into the cloud. It's going to be easier, super convenient for you, this cloud. It's just amazing. We're just going to compel you to become a part of our cloud it's called the metaverse okay that's what they're compelling you to do and when you do you will be offered all kinds of services and your data will be protected and it's for your safety it's for your safety in essence it's always for your safety and protection but there's another cloud out there there's another cloud and I want to belong under that cloud and Yahweh, through his word and through his Holy Spirit, he's compelling you. He's compelling you to perform under that cloud. And if you come under that cloud, oh man, there's going to be benefits and privileges which will last for generations. But first, you have to shun the data cloud. You have to shun the data cloud. Come out of her, my people. And you are being compelled by the Holy Spirit to live in the private, where you will be led to Yahweh's cloud of glory, which acts as a shelter, which acts as a shade. It's a secret refuge from the heat and downpour that is about to come. That is from the elements and from the king of Assyria in the context of Isaiah chapter 4. The Assyrian, the Babylon, the Babylonian, all that was coming upon Judah was Babylon. And here we are at the end of the age with mystery Babylon. That's what I call compelled cloud performance. Which one do you want? I want to be compelled by the Holy Spirit to move into Yahuwah's cloud, to perform according to covenant. 
in the meantime, the world, Mystery Babylon, is compelling you to put all of your data in the public into the metaverse cloud and to perform to that. Lots of benefits and privileges, tons of them. It's going to be all for your privacy and protection. That's the dichotomy that is being offered. You have to choose. Babylon will be unable to penetrate Yahweh's cloud. So in the end days, no enemies will molest those who participate in Zion's solemn assemblies. Isn't that what these women wanted at the beginning in verse 1? Didn't they want to be unmolested by the Babylonians? Didn't they want to be totally under Yahweh's cloud of protection? Well, they had to come out of Babylon to do that, to be a part of Yahweh's solemn assemblies according to the terms of his covenant. Do you agree with Yahweh? Check the box and then... You get all the benefits and privileges too, but you're now in covenant with Yahweh. You are now obligated to protect his people, to keep his covenant, to be in an intensive power structure that is an open system of inviting other Israelites in and building your family legacy and being the treasure of one another, honoring one another and treating treating each of you as treasure. No, 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 no evil tongue about your brother. No gossip, no slander. Because we honor one another because you're treasure and I'm treasure. Because we're Israelites and we're building a power structure. It's an intensive power structure and we're getting stronger and stronger because we are vines with thorns that we can bury ourselves deep within the world because we're not of the world. You can't find us. We're not on the public record. It's been gone. We're taking it all back. And we are entrenching ourselves under the asphalt, under the concrete, and we are popping up here and there, and we actually bind ourselves over whatever we want, and it lasts for generations. It's always been that way until March 9th, 1933. And then the con job happened. And a whole generation of us have grown up in a post-1933 world, thinking that was real. But that was the fiction. That was the fiction. It's relatively relatively new. Right? This is why Yahuwah models all the Bible success stories upon intensive power structure. There is only one father, mother, firstborn, daughter of Zion. No one can replace them. The vine that entwines is what makes Israel invincible and why we shall inherit the earth. The vine that entwines is what makes Israel invincible and why we shall inherit the earth. Memorize that because it's a power structure. It's an intensive power structure, the vine that entwines. Intensive power structures. The Israelite family will inherit the throne of glory, family pillars of the earth. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. We shall delight ourselves in the abundance of peace. Yahuwah will preserve our intensive power structures and will give them as a covenant to the people to establish the earth to cause us to inherit the desolate heights. 
Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. If you don't build it with your wives and children and grandchildren, how can Yahuwah bless it and give it? You've got to build it so he can bless it and give it. If you let the wife lead and the children grow untended and follow the Marxist external power structure, then your lot will be like Lot's lot. A vine of Sodom and a field of Gomorrah. Grapes of gold and clusters of bitterness. Deuteronomy 32, verse 32. It's a dichotomy. What are you going to choose this day for your family, for your legacy? You're only here for a certain amount of time. Time, energy, labor, and a power. You've only got so much time. You can only expand so much energy. And you can only produce so much power. Are you going to let that be an extensive power system and a slave so that they can take your time and energy and labor? Or will you build an intensive power structure that will last for legacies and generations? Will you be compelled to perform for mystery Babylon's metaverse cloud? Or will you say, I repent of my sins. I made a mistake. I've signed a bunch of stupid adhesion contracts because I thought that's what I had to do. They made me... Nobody made you do anything. You did it to yourself. You did it to your wife. And you did it to your children. Rescission it and undo it. You undo the making of a contract by the way you made a contract. Your power and energy encapsulated by your signature. And then you move into an internal power structure and come under the cloud of Yahuwah. And then you begin to grow because you are one prickly son of a gun. And your thorns and brambles will entwine and bury and spread for generations. This is what the women were seeking in the first verse of our chapter and they find it in intensive power structures that's what this teaching's about sobering for me but i place myself deliberately in hostile situations Deliberately, I go looking for them. Wherever I can be the most scared, be threatened the most, and expose myself to the most danger, I put myself there. Because it causes me to grow. Which then brings me back to give you a message. So yesterday, I deliberately put myself in a situation where I got to see what happens with an extensive power structure to a mystery Babylon family. 
in the hands of Mystery Babylon. Hand grenade. Decimation. All because of the adhesion contracts that that family had done with birth certificates, parenting plans, registering in schools, and you'll be amazed at how emasculated and powerless they are when they're brought before Mystery Babylon. But it doesn't have to be that way for your children and for your generations. Well, that was it. I'll be shorter next week. Isaiah chapter 5 next week. Sobering, sobering. <coughs> Remember this teaching because it can change your life if you truly absorb those women. They knew what they wanted because they knew what was coming. The king of Babylon. And if you want to know what's coming, you just go and see what they just triggered and noticed you on in Davos, Switzerland. It's some crazy stuff. Yahuwah bless you. Yahuwah keep you. And may Yahuwah's mercy shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance and shine upon you in the mighty name of Yahushua. I kind of ad-libbed that and mixed it all together. But you know what I'm saying. It is, of course, Yevarechacha Yahuwah Vayish Varecha. Yeyeh Yahuwah Panavelecha Vechonecha. Yesa Yahuwah Panavelecha Vayasim Lecha. Lecha. Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So what do we do?